Good morning. Welcome to those of you who are in the center and those of you joining us in the point for our final week of our Rooted Sermon series. In the last several weeks, we've been talking about our all-in values as a church that keep us rooted in Christ and rooted in God's word as we've talked about spiritual growth, generosity, and serving. And so this final week is on our all-in value of community because we believe community is where these all-in values are really lived out together. But what is community? It's a word that we hear in the church. It's a word that we hear outside of the church. We hear about community all of the time. So I decided to go to Webster's Dictionary and find a simple definition. It says this, it's a unified body of individuals. A unified body of individuals. And there's a Latin word called communitas. And it defines community this way. It says there's a strong bond that forms from an adventure, a challenge, or a common mission. Colts fans, you have bonded through suffering, through some of the worst football you've seen in a while. There's some community that you've experienced in the pains of watching those games. Hopefully next year will be better when luck is back. But you've still been loyal. There's still some sparse Colts gear, even though there's only three wins. I see that jersey over there. So there's community that forms through a common struggle or a common bond of sorts. This past year, my wife and I journeyed into the parent of a toddler's club. You know what I'm talking about? We have this sassy little daughter, and her name is Nora. And I want to show a picture that encompasses her personality. We're getting ready to go to the zoo for like this Halloween thing. My wife and I are happy. She had been happy. And then we're like, we're going to take a picture. And she's just like, whatever, dad. Whatever. Many of you have been there, or you're currently there, or you're headed there, or you have nieces and nephews or grandkids that are in that phase of being a toddler. You're constantly chasing them around, making sure they're not falling up or down stairs. We even found our daughter last night. We have a Finding Nemo uh, Christmas tree ornament, and uh, she doesn't really eat things that aren't food. She was eating the Christmas ornament. So that's parenting a toddler right there. And then... uh, She's 20 months old, and around 18 months, the 18-month sleep regression became very real. We had this sweet, angelic sleeper forever, and then at 18 months, she just started waking up like crazy. So if you've had a conversation with me and I wasn't there, that's why. And, uh, but with toddlers, there's so much joy, there's some common struggles, and there's a lot of Elmo. There is so much Elmo, it's ridiculous. Elmo in the morning, I want Elmo in the afternoon, Elmo at night. You'd think all we did was sit around and watch Sesame Street, but she just loves her some Elmo. But the truth is, is being a parent of a toddler has brought us so much community with a random stranger at, while we're at Kroger. They're just like, we know, we've been there. Like, we know what you're dealing with. Or just some of our friends who are going through some of the same stuff and godly people who've spoken into our lives as we go on this parenting journey. In this room, we all represent different communities that we're a part of. Whether that's where we work, the schools that we've been a part of or that our kids are a part of, the towns that we live in. Maybe you're in the marching band or you're a parent of a kid in the marching band. Maybe you or someone in your family has been a part of the military and the community that comes with that. Maybe you're part of the IndyCar community. Or maybe you've just gone through or your family's gone through a common struggle that others have gone through and you've found community and support through that common struggle together. Maybe you're a cancer survivor 
and the community and the support that you've received with others who've overcome some of the things that you have as well. Maybe it's from being on a sports team, whether as a a player on that team, a coach, or a parent. You're a part of that community. Or maybe it's just you resonate with the idea of being a parent of a toddler. Whatever it might be, God has put us in proximity and given us communities of people that we get to be a part of. And in Christ-centered community, we have an avenue to grow spiritually together, to serve each other, and to be generous towards one another for the glory of God. And if any community, if any community of people ought to be unified under a mission, it's the body of Christ, the church. So we're going to look at the picture of biblical community that we see in Scripture and how we practice this value that has kept us rooted from the past and will continue to keep us rooted as a church as we move forward. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for the opportunity to share with this community of believers, to gather together under your name, to hear from your word. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would move our hearts, convict us, and move us into action where we need to. Help us to reflect on your truth. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So did you know that God has always existed in perfect community? God has always existed in perfect community as Father, Son, and Spirit, the three in one, the Godhead. And the Old and New Testaments of the Bible time and time again describe Jesus as glorifying his heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit making much of Jesus. See, God himself embodies community, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the very essence of our being as people is created in the image of God, in the likeness of God. And God exists in community, so he calls us to exist in community with him and with his people. Genesis 1.26 says this, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now God wasn't going crazy here. He's talking Father, Son, and Spirit. Let us make man in our image. And so male and female, he created them. In your program, you can follow along with some notes here. And these are the first blanks to fill in. That we were created to know God and be known. We were created to know God, to be in relationship with God, and to be known by others. Acts chapter 2 shows us a roadmap of what Christian community is to look like. But before we get into Acts chapter 2 and the passage that we're going to focus on today, I want to set the scene Because Jesus had come as a baby. The reason for Christmas, why we celebrate Christmas, is that Jesus came to this earth after existing in heaven forever as a baby. Took on human flesh, the struggles as a human being. And came and walked this earth for 33 years. Lived a sinless life. Went and died a sinner's death on the cross and rose again victorious three days later. But before he had risen again, His followers, his disciples were disheartened. Their friend, this amazing teacher, the son of God, was killed. They were saddened. And you even have someone like Peter who had followed Jesus so closely in these moments as Jesus was going to the cross, he denies that he even knows Jesus. But then here we see in in Acts that Jesus, right before this time, Jesus commissions his disciples, his friends, his followers to lead the church. Broken people like you and me, someone like Peter who a month previous 
had denied the existence of Jesus is now being used by God to preach this sermon. And 3,000 people, of people of different nations, tongues, and tribes come together. God uses Peter in a great way and 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus Christ. We're a good testament of God using broken people to do amazing things. And so here we are in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And Peter has preached this sermon now. There's 3,000 people rearing and ready to go to follow after Jesus. And it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So as you follow along in your program, they were devoted to, the early church, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. This community of believers, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teachings were just the teachings of Jesus that had been passed on. And so they wanted to continue that going on and on. And that is what continues to root us today as a church and bring us together is God's word leading us in our relationship with Christ. And then in verse 43, it goes on to say this, a deep sense of awe came over all of them and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything that they had. They shared everything that they had. And what we see here is that they were devoted to each other. The early church, they were devoted to each other. They gave themselves to each other. They sacrificed for one another for the glory of God. There was a strong emphasis on their unity together. There was unity amongst the community. And they were laser focused on their mission together. Verse 45 goes on to say this. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. This was a recurring practice for them. It was continuous practice for them. This isn't a one-time tax write-off, if you know what I'm talking about. There wasn't just a one-time need that they decided to meet. Whenever a need arose, they lived their lives in such a way, in such beautiful community, where their generosity was contagious. Their generosity was absolutely contagious. Have you ever experienced this? Someone's generosity being contagious? I, uh, a, few, a few months back, I was driving through the Starbucks drive through about ready to pay seven bucks for a coffee. You know what I'm talking about? You've been there common struggle and uh so we're going through I'm going through the Starbucks drive-thru and then someone had decided to like pay it forward so my drink was paid for now I have an important decision to make I can take the blessing and run or can make the decision to pay it forward as well so I decided don't judge me I decided to pay it forward just like everyone else was and continue this blessing of overpriced coffee for the next person Maybe you've experienced this at McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or wherever it might be. This even happened a little over a month ago. Um, our new lead pastor, John, um, we're excited for him to be here next week and the Dickerson family as they're coming here soon. Um, but the, his, some of his books were for sale and someone decided to pay it forward and this generosity just kept going on and on as people were purchasing these books. It was a beautiful thing to see. Generosity and love were the norm. It was the expectation of the early church. It was the norm. It was the standard. And it goes on in verse 46 and describes it this way. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and great generosity. They met in larger and smaller groups. They met in larger and smaller groups. 
The 3,000 would gather for some teaching and, and some worship through music. Just kind of like we do on Sunday mornings and on Saturday evenings, we gather together as the body of Christ to celebrate the Lord, to come together. But they also had smaller groups that met throughout the week in people's homes where they loved each other, they served each other, where they gave themselves to each other, where they operated and functioned as a family. And this is a critical reminder as we look at Acts chapter 2 that the church is not just a location. Now, don't get me wrong, God has blessed us to have a really incredible facility for our kids, youth environment, for our adults, for people in this community. It's amazing. But the church is not just a location, it's always been the people. People who have trusted and given their life to Jesus and to seek his forgiveness and lordship. That is the church. You are the church. Over the years, at times, this idea has been lost that maybe the church is just an event we go to on the weekends. But it's so much bigger than that. The original church was a movement of people gathered around a mission. That is our roots as a church. And continuing on in verse 47, it says, All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, and each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So they gathered as a larger community, but God was doing some incredible reconciliation, incredible healing in the lives of people as they gathered in smaller community. As they worshiped God by loving each other, by getting to know each other and their kids and their families, by caring for each other, sharing resources for any need that came up, and using their gifts for the glory of God. You see, unity and love Unity and love are the best evidences that the church, God's people, are moving and honoring God. At the Last Supper, Jesus was around the table with his disciples, with his friends, with his followers. And as he's getting ready to be betrayed by one of his best friends, while Peter is about to deny him later that night, and as Jesus heads towards the cross, here are some final instructions that he gives to his disciples. He's kind of boiling things down for them, simpling things down for them and for you and for me. And he says this in John 13, 34 and 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another as the church, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. They will know that you are mine by the way that you love each other. And in this day and age, you don't have to look very far on social media or on the news, whether local or national, to know that we are in the midst of a broken world, a sinful world. And it is time for us as a church to continue to strive forward and be the hope, a city on a hill, a light into the world. Because we have demonstrated, despite our differences, as you look around this room, there are people who look different than you, they're different age than you, different experience than you. But God has given us permission to go and model to the world his love and what unity in Christ looks like. There is nobody else that can do that. No one else is going to model to us Christ's love for the world. It's on the church by God's grace and God's leading that we would continue to be a church that does that well. Belonging to the church 
is God's prescription for us to have genuine Christ-centered community. So how can you move from attending to belonging? How can you move from attending to belonging? Now I realize some of you have belonged here for a while. You have deep-rooted community. But I've also known people who've been attending this church for 10 years, who've never really felt like they belonged, never took that step for whatever reason. Then there's also people who've been here two weeks who have found a place to belong. So wherever you're at on this journey, maybe you've only been here 40 minutes and you're like, bro, I am not ready to take any kind of step or make any decision. I understand that. I just want you to think about in the future when that time might be right, how could you move from attending this church to saying, this is a family I want to be a part of. This is a place where I want to belong that God has brought into my life. So how can you go from attending church to belonging with Christ and moving towards others into community? And then eventually, how can you help others belong here into the family of God? You know, God has brought this group of us together. It's probably not a group any one of us would handpick. It's pretty unique. Different ages, experiences. But for some reason, God in his grace has united us together as the body of Christ here in Brownsburg, Indiana as connection point for this season in life, for this time. And he is what unites us. And you and I get to be a unique ingredient made in the image of God that gets to help usher in with God, which God is already moving. We get to participate in helping bring his kingdom to this community. We get to do this together. And so for some of you, if you've been around here for a little bit and you're saying, I'm ready to take a step to belong, one step that you could take is next weekend after our Saturday service and after our 9.15 service or before our 11.15, however you want to view that, there is a Discover Connection Point class. It's 30 minutes. You don't have to sign up. You just show up. It's a time just to learn a little bit more about how you can go from attending to belonging to learn a little bit more about the history and beliefs of our church. And you'll get to know some other people who are in a similar phase and thinking about a different decision regarding taking a step to belong here. You also get to meet some staff members. So we just want to invite you to that next weekend. Another thing you could do is you could look in the, at the people around you and say, you know what, how about we go get some brunch? Brunch is amazing because no one's going to judge you if you get pancakes or if you order steak. It's an amazing idea. Brunch is a safe zone, man. It is the great equalizer. And so maybe you've seen some people sitting around you, okay, and you're saying, man, that guy looks like he's hungry. So maybe we could just invite, <laughs> I will be that guy for you. Um, but maybe we could just invite somebody near us to say, hey, I just want to get to know you, get to know your story, and help people take that step of belonging, make it easy for people to really see the people that are, are around our lives. Another step could be, you know, taking that big step to start a new small group in your neighborhood or in your workplace. You're going to hear a story later of how that took place. Maybe that's something God is pushing you towards. Maybe you're saying, I've heard about small groups and people coming together in each other's homes. Maybe that's a step you want to take in 2018. And you can start that process by connecting with the blue shirts at Connection Corner or finding some information on the websites to start the process of getting into a small group. Because God did not create us just for mere connection. He wanted us to have deep, genuine relationship with him and with other people. What we see modeled in the Trinity in the Godhead of Father, Spirit, and Son is not just connection, it's deep, genuine servanthood of community. You know, at every stage and age of life, 
We want to value community. Every person is made in the image of God, and so we want there to be a place for everyone to belong. That's why in our kids' city, which is the building next door, our children's ministry, uh, that's why we have 270 people who've committed to be children's small group leaders. For my kid, for your kids, for your grandkids, for your friends' children, to have a safe and engaging environment for them to learn more about Jesus. We also have so many other volunteers that teach large group and and security and all kinds of volunteers, but 270 dedicated to journey with kids and have discussion about God from a young age. In the kindergarten age group, there's a story this past year of of a a girl's small group leader that sat down with the girls, kindergarten age, and uh, they would write welcome letters to every new kid that would come just to make them feel like they have a place to belong. Little kindergartners, okay? One of our first and third grade small group leaders took all of his boys laser tagging to form more community. And sometimes guys just need to go and be boys and play and have fun. And church can be an awesome experience for them and the relationships that they find in their church. Last year we had one of our fifth grade girls small groups get together. And they had a heart for people in nursing homes. So they got together with their small group leader and they baked cookies and said at least... At least they'll have one gift for Christmas if nobody comes to visit them this year. Little fifth graders taking and hand-delivering these cookies to people in a nursing home. We have a student ministry that gathers middle school on Sunday mornings, high school on Sunday evenings, and they have a time of worship and teaching, but they also have a time of small groups. It's a time of worship to talk about, okay, Billy, you're in seventh grade now. You need to wear deodorant and have some real conversations but also times to talk about relationships or their faith or the doubts that they have, to have a place to belong and talk about where they're at in life. There's a young lady named Stephanie Chastine. She was at the last service. She's been involved in our church and in our student ministry. She just graduated this past year, and she's 19, and she felt compelled by God to reach her neighbors. There's a bunch of ladies in her neighborhood, and she said, man, I haven't seen some of these ladies in a long time, and we live next door to each other. She felt compelled by the scripture where Jesus is talking about and love your neighbor as yourself. And she said, maybe that means my actual next door neighbors. Maybe there's a mission field right in front of me. And as a 19-year-old to go hang out with people 40s, 50s, and 60s, probably not the top of her fun list, but a 19-year-old obeyed God, went and did this and gathered these ladies together and is thinking and praying about what do I do next? And for some of us who've maybe been following Jesus for a long time, there's maybe a 19-year-old that needs you to reach out to them. There's maybe a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old that lives next door that you think you have nothing in common with, but you'll never know what God might do as you keep the garage door open, as you hang out in the front yard, as you have a barbecue and you take a risk and you get all this food together and maybe someone will show, but maybe they won't. But maybe we need to see the community and the mission field that God literally has right next door to us. It's all too tempting to put the garage up and the garage door down. We have a college and young adult ministry here at Connection Point. They're actually meeting tonight at 6 o'clock at the church. They meet every other week. And they have small groups that meet throughout the community because we want there to be a place for young adults to belong, to call home, to have genuine Christ-centered community. So whether it's a young adult leading a small group or someone in their 70s and 80s leading a group, we have 264 
adults leading small groups, to help foster more than mere connection, but desire to strive toward Christ-centered community. And I want to share a story with you of the Coker family and how they had a couple in their neighborhood that attends this church that continued to pray for them and reach out to them to help them belong in the family of God. Check out this story. You know, my husband and I, we struggled as, as our relationship and, and our faith with God. We're really struggling uh, with two small kids to the point where it was almost to get a divorce. We have some really good friends, Amy and Aaron Robbins, and our kids attend the same daycare as theirs. The Robbins' son, Aiden, wanted to invite our daughter Paige to church. Originally, I, I can't say that I was hot on the idea. Um, at the time, we were uh, having some struggles and, um, you know, knew God and, and Jesus, but wasn't seeking him out. We weren't sure if, if things were going to last between us, so we decided to, to come to church and, and, and really try to, to do our best to work things out. The next step in our life was to join a church and to have that community and, and have some friends and maybe join a small group. There was a series, Restore Me, and uh, I just really felt like I was sitting there and, and you know, God was talking to me and saying, I know where you're at and I'm right here and, and really gave me a path to some healing, gave me a path to some hope that, that I could really could really hang on to, to to get me through that time. Being baptized on Easter Sunday was probably a really good starting point for us to want to be in a small group. We were seeking counseling at that time as well. We started talking with the Robins about uh, possibly forming a small group, and I knew that, um, you know, that's something I wanted was um, to be able to get in community to remain in God's Word with, with other folks that I could share my struggles with. Moving to Brownsburg and being in the neighborhood that we're in and um, the community is just wonderful. And we knew we needed to, to keep that community strong. And um, Amy and Aaron were a big, big support. Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. And I just felt um, those days in between church, I was having a hard time doing it on my own. You know, for me to sit down and read the Bible, um, you know, it was hard for me to understand which direction to go as a Christian and how can we care for each other more? How can we care for people outside of our group more? You know, how can we be the hands and feet of Jesus? I found in my small group we were all in the same boat. Um, husband and wife with kids and the struggles of that. Getting to know others in our community has been the best thing for us. Not just our small group, but even here at Connection Point. Everybody is open-armed. Everybody wants to um, hear your story and help you uh, connect with God. You know, God has a, a plan for everybody. It may not be the way you want it, but in the end, uh, if you have faith in Him, He's going to lead you in the right direction. I love that story because it's a reminder that our neighbors may just be our mission field. Literal, a few houses down that the Robins and the Cokers live from each other. It's also a great reminder that anybody can be used by God. A three-year-old sparked the conversation, was the catalyst of inviting that family to a church and that led to further conversations with the, with the parents. 
the Coker family experienced God's love and through some people like Aaron and Amy. And as a result of that and Christ transforming their lives, they can't help but have glad and generous hearts, which was the mark of the church in Acts. They had glad and generous hearts that Christ had transformed them and moved them into actions. And you can't help but give that joy away to others. And so you may see on the weekends, the Coker family, they serve as greeters as you come into the worship center. Now I've seen them and watched them invite coworkers and friends and reach out to neighbors in their neighborhood uh, and have spiritual conversations with them. I've watched them donate some food to our partnership with Clarence Farrington and some of the ministry that we've got going on there. Because when Christ transforms your life and you find yourself in genuine community, you can't help but have a glad and generous heart. It reminds me, uh, a few years back, our alternator went out on our car and it was negative 10 degrees outside. A guy in my small group was like classic car guy and he says, I'll come and help you. And I'm like, yeah, help means you're basically gonna do it and I'll watch. I'm mechanically declined. And, uh, and so he comes and you cannot fake that kind of love and community and brotherhood than somebody in negative 10 degree weather taking off their gloves and changing the alternator in your car as you feel really great as you're all bundled up and watching. But uh, you can't fake that kind of community. There are people in our church and different communities that I represent that have helped me to grow. They've helped me to grow as a soccer coach. I coach soccer at TriWest High School. There have been people in this community that coach various sports who've invested in me to be a better coach. There are people who've inspired me like Stephanie Chastine to be a better neighbor and to keep the garage door open and to spend some time outside and to make some time for a conversation with the awkward neighbor that you don't have anything in common with. There's a tribe of parents here that know the struggles of parenting a toddler and they also celebrate the joys when there's some awesome things going on in the life of our daughter. The church, and this church in particular, is filled with people who have glad and generous hearts because of Christ transforming them. We also see this about the early church. We see that they were unified. This is a theme that's been throughout this passage in Acts chapter two, is they were unified. Acts 2, verses 5 through 6, says there were people from every nation under heaven with diverse cultures represented. The known world was all represented there. Parts of Europe, Asia, Africa were all represented when Peter was preaching the sermon when the church first started off. And it was a foretaste of heaven. You know, we are a multi-generational church, and I praise God for that. And God's church has always had at the heart of it uniqueness and diversity. So if you're uncomfortable, and I'm gonna push a little bit here, so if you're uncomfortable with a certain age group, a certain ethnicity, my generation of millennials, boomers, races, rich people, poor people, middle class, educated, uneducated, artists or athletes, whatever the group might be, then I have some news for you. You are not gonna like heaven very much. Because those people in those groupings that have a relationship with Christ, they're going to be there. And heaven is forever, so it will not stop. We as the church have such an opportunity in a very divided culture right now. If you have an issue with a person, whether it's a believer in Christ or not, or a type of person that you've categorized, 
I want to encourage you to have a dialogue. Work on reconciliation. Reconciliation is work. It is roll up the sleeves, get to work time to work on reconciliation. And if at that point you just are struggling and you just can't get over some certain things, I want to encourage you with this reminder and take a cue from my daughter's favorite movie, Frozen, and there may be a point where you just have to let it go. Let's model Christ-like reconciliation to the world. Let's model working towards unity in Christ in a world that's so divided. Let's work on that this side of heaven because there will be no division in heaven. There will be no focus but Christ. So let's start practicing that today. The third thing they were devoted to is they were devoted to prayer. The early church was devoted to prayer and God invites us to do the same today. When someone got in trouble, in Acts 4.12, we see, what did they do? They prayed. When they had a need, what did they do? They prayed. When they were scared, what did they do? They took it to the Lord in prayer. When something awesome happened, they praised God, and they prayed, and they thanked him. The early church modeled genuine, Christ-centered community. When you are with another Christian, or just maybe another person, whether one-on-one or in a group setting, do you let the conversations get below the surface? When we talk about genuine community, that means stuff that's like getting real, stuff that's getting a little uncomfortable. Some of you are getting nervous just hearing me talk about this. Is this guy going to ask me to be real with somebody? We kind of want to, there's three ways we respond to genuine community. One of them is we move away. When things start to get real, when conversations get kind of serious, guys, when we start talking about our emotions, okay, we tend to want to move away. We maybe make a joke. When things get serious and get real, we change the subject or maybe we even physically leave the room as people. Another way that we respond to genuine community when things get real is we move against. We put the walls up. I'm not going to let anybody see the real me. i got to preserve my reputation. i got to preserve a certain image. So when things start to get real, I'm going to move against and I'm going to put the wall up and I'll let you know about it. Don't cross that line. And then there's a third response by God's grace is that we can move toward. We can move toward and lean into genuine community. This can be discombobulating to be vulnerable We want to protect ourselves. We want to self-preserve. Maybe you've been burnt before by someone you thought you could trust. Maybe you had a marriage that failed and you're having struggles to trust somebody and to let somebody in again. But I want to encourage you, as risky as it can be, and I'm not saying share all of your dirty laundry with everybody you come in contact with, but has God maybe provided one or two people, whether in your small group, people you work with, people that you know at this church that you could lean into and move towards to be real with. You've all been given a circle of influence that God has entrusted to you. The circle of influence that you have is not the influence that I have. It's not the influence that this young guy has. We all have an opportunity to minister to the circle of influence and God's plan is his church, the people. The people who go out day in and day out in Hendricks County, in Marion County, in Boone County, or wherever you live, wherever you work, to 
to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus, to exist as ambassadors of Christ, entrusted with the, the message of hope, the gospel message, a message of reconciliation and redemption. Your job, your neighborhood, yes, even that job you don't like, yes, even that neighbor you don't care for, your school, your college, your friendships, all of that is on purpose. God has put that in your life and may just be the very opportunity that you can lean into to move towards others and model the hope of Christ to them. I want to show you a picture of some aspen trees. And uh, this is not just I wanted to look at trees that had leaves on them. I came back from vacation and all the leaves were gone. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, what happened to fall? But uh, aspen trees are pretty interesting organisms. A singular aspen tree is not the organism by itself. But actually, aspen groves or clusters are singular organisms with a shared embedded root system that goes deep into the earth. The root of the word aspen is the Latin word pando, which means I spread, which gives us a picture of their root system underneath the, the ground. An aspen grove is argued to be the largest living organism on the planet. In Utah, there is a grove of aspen trees consisting of a calculated 47,000 tree trunks covering 106 acres and is calculated to weigh over 13 million pounds as one singular organism with a shared root system. See, aspens grow as a community together. They're interconnected by their roots and they share nutrients and resources to support one another. So the tall trees soak up the sun and they pass on that sun goodness down to the smaller trees that are covered and shaded up. And then these trees that are at the bottom that are a little shorter, they continue to push their nutrients from the rich soil to the rest of the trees that tower over them. They serve each other. And the, the picture of the aspen tree reminds me of this verse about community that we see in Romans 12:5. We are many parts of one body, rooted in Christ, and we all belong to each other. One of the most beautiful trees on earth is actually a grove, a singular organism with a shared root system where the healthy support the weak and where nutrients are given to the good of the grove or the cluster. And that is what I'm praying for us as a church. For those of you who've been following the Lord for 40 years or those who've been following him for four weeks, that we together are united in Christ, that we find our rootedness in Christ together and we support and encourage each other as we meet in larger group settings and smaller group settings and in one-on-one -on -one relationships with each other. We have Christ, the reason for community as the central piece of our rootedness as this church. We are a community of faith in Jesus Christ. Since 1837, this church has continued to gather and continued to meet with deep rootedness in Jesus. We've got the same savior, we've got the same mission, and we have each other in this season. Oh, what we're missing out on when we loosely affiliate or are just acquaintances as opposed to deeply involving and becoming vulnerable to belong in community. And so here's the invitation. For those of you who are not sure where you're at spiritually, where you're not sure if you have a relationship with Jesus, where you're not really sure where you stand with God, know this, that we celebrate Christmas in this season, in the month ahead, 
Because God, through Jesus, came to this earth, fully God and fully man, as a baby, existed in heaven forever, and instead came to this earth crying, needing diapers changed. They're probably cloth diapers back then. Grew in wisdom and stature. Followed his heavenly father's plan each and every day. Lived a sinless life. Obediently went to the cross. Rose again on the third day. So that you and that I could have an opportunity to know him. To be made right in the eyes of God. To experience the forgiveness that we all need because of our sin and our wrongdoing. That Jesus moved towards us when we were stuck in our sin. That Jesus is still moving towards and pursuing relationships with people today. That he wants to make them new. That he wants to reconcile them before God. And invite us to participate in bringing his hope to this world through Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you. If you're in that place where you're not really sure where you stand. Know that Jesus moved towards you. And it's the most important decision you could ever make is to lean into a relationship with Christ and trust him as Lord and Savior. For those of you who have a relationship with Jesus and who have been following after the Lord, who is someone that in this Christmas season that you could move toward? Who is somebody in your circle of influence, in your neighborhood, in your job, or in your school or college or whatever it might be, who is someone that you could move towards just as Christ moved towards us? Like the aspen tree, how can you pass on the nutrients that you've received from God's word and from a life-giving relationship with Jesus and pass that on to somebody else by God's grace? Who will you move towards to help belong in community with God and with others this Christmas season? Pray about that this week. Think about a name or a couple of names. You know, each and every week we have the opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to celebrate communion, and to reflect through the bread and the cup, to reflect on the goodness of Christ, that he did move towards us, that he did come to this earth, and that he paved the only way for us to be reconciled unto God, and, through that's, a, and that's through a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in just a few minutes, um, the elements will be passed. We ask that you would hang on to those, and one of our elders will lead you through participating in communion. So if you're a follower of Christ, we invite you to participate in that time. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you of your plan of reconciling the world unto yourself by sending your son Jesus, that he moved towards us, that he moved towards this messy planet, this broken world, to redeem it, to make us new, and to invite us to participate in bringing your kingdom here as you move and lead. We thank you, God, for the redemptive work of Christ on the cross through his sacrifice, through his sinless life, his victorious resurrection, that through that and through faith in your son, we could know you and be reconciled unto you. Help us, Lord, this week to see others and to move towards them and share your love and hope in this Christmas season. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.